Are you ready, Christine? Sure am. Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. And listen to the story. Well, we are going to Washington, D.C. area. We are. Specifically around Georgetown University, the Georgetown area. 1973, we are doing previously never viewed by me, The Exorcist. I have to tell you, first of all, the book, way scarier than the movie. Really? Because I heard that the book bombed. Maybe. But But had you seen this, if you had seen this in 1973, you might have had different thoughts. I totally get that. I t- because they're talking about people passing out, knocking their heads on the seat, and then suing Warner Brothers, and I mean, people having to get up and leave. So maybe in 73, it would have been just horrific, but <laughs> the world is horrific now, so, you know. Yeah. Well, the, world, the world was pretty horrific in 1973. True. But, Ma, did, so did you read the book? Yeah. So you read I, the book... In 73, yes. But didn't go see the movie. Never. Also, you read the book when you, so you were, if I may disclose, 21? Yeah. Yeah. A voracious reader. (laughs) I was just coming into reading at that point. It's a long discussion on the therapist couch that we're not going to go into, but I was coming into reading at that time. Now, I still will not check out a book from the library because I can't have a deadline with a book. I can't. (sighs) Me too. A A deadline with a book. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, apparently I can't either because I just got a collections bill for two books that are just sitting on my my freaking thing. Right. Right. Yeah, I got scarred by the by an elementary school library like thing, and I only I never did you notice, Ma? I never checked out library books. I think you were like you can't read, so it doesn't matter. No, don't. <laughs> no, stop. Okay, now in rea- Okay, maybe that was the message you got because it was kind of true. No, but- my message was just I didn't like. Like I, as soon as I left with the library book, all I thought about was I have to return it, and so I just returned it the next day because exactly. I didn't, I yeah. couldn't deal with the I anxiety of. The but then, like nowadays, they they made a big thing of the Brooklyn Public Library about no late fees, no late fees. But then all of a sudden, I get like a collections bill, and well, I probably got like a hey, we need these books back. Oh yeah, but now I'm like, well, if I return them, do I still have to pay? But if I pay, I just keep them. Do I keep right. them or do I still have to take them back? I don't know. See, a lot of questions. That's why I don't, that is mm-hmm. not the primary reason I don't use a public library. That goes into my aunt who was a public librarian that it just scarred me for life. I think you passed that down to me in utero and this is all making sense to me now. But I think I guess public libraries because they're great places and they do a lot of they good. They are. Yes. I agree. And they need to be there for people who can handle. Okay. So we have a dear friend in common, uh, uh, Adam's second grade teacher, Mrs. Burley, who let me borrow a book that she said was really good. I sat down. Well, it was the day after Aaron left. So that's always a down day for me. And I read it in one day because I had to give it back to her because uh, it was a suspense. I had to, mm-hmm. I had to 
I had to finish it so I could give it back to her in time for her to return it to the public library. Mm -hmm. um, it was a great book, but I don't like that kind of pressure. So mm -hmm. I just buy them on my Kindle, read them when I want, and I spend way too much money, but at least I am, I can take a deep breath. You're helping the authors. Um, well, you know, one of my mom has a friend, she borrowed books from this past year and she had written, she grades all of her books. So like, and the ones that she owns, she like, she has a grading scale. I was like, that's going to be super helpful for when you're going to give somebody like lend a book out. Yes. Yes. I mean, there's an app for that, but you know, the old school way. There is an app mm -hmm. for that, but it's not a personal, you don't have a con personal connection mm -hmm. anyway did i say we're doing you read the book yeah exorcist? we're at the exorcist okay mm -hmm. we're in dc we've made it there when 12 year old reagan <laughs> is possessed by demons a young priest with his own issues takes it upon himself to save her at the insistence of her famous movie star mother particulars the Exorcist. When do you think that The Exorcist came out in theaters? 1973. October 31st. No. December 26th. The oh, day yeah. after Jesus' birthday. 1973. Wait, I love that. <laughs> That's an important date in the movie. Yeah, it's holiday, you know. It's, it's um... That's, you know, yeah, but... It is a little, <laughs> I think like the Catholic church had a bit like, you know, religious people, I think had a bit of a, excuse me. <laughs> oh, I have so much to say about that. Okay, good. Cause I skipped over it. It is directed by William Friedkin, who also did the French connection and oh. sorcerer two movies that we've done. He mm. also did cruising and nerd alert. He just passed away August 7th of 2023. Really? Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So William Friedkin, along with Francis Ford Coppola and Peter Bogdanovich, were considered um, the premier directors of what was called New Hollywood in the early mm -hmm. 70s. You know? The young white men Up who were... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the young yeah. white Take men over. who were taking care of themselves. The screenplay is by William Peter Blatty, that it's based on his own 1971 novel, horror novel, The Exorcist. It's interesting because, nerd alert, you said how the book bombed and it was doing poorly until William Peter Blatty went on, I believe it was the Dick Cavett show, uh. and told a story about, which we'll get to later, of well, like how the real life, I think mm. it was 1949 that it's kind of that that he heard as a um, as a student at Georgetown and he regaled the audience and the television audience. And then after that appearance on the Dick Cavett show, it um, it uh, you know, money started coming in, is what I'm saying, yeah, like, because I'm going to say Dick Cavett show had uh, a certain. Uh, a group of people who would watch that and, and it they... was what and it was a lot of people because back in those mm -hmm. days it was like what four channels if you're lucky mm -hmm. so 
yeah, the you know big audience, and it was a certain demographic of people mm-hmm. who were probably, uh, you know, had money to spend and were of the, exactly. I guess you would call them the elite, the coastal elites. Watch Dick Cavey. Yes, yes, the seventy. Yeah, okay, seventies, open-minded. Okay, so he also uh, wrote the novel Legion, and he also wrote the screenplay A Shot in the Dark. He wrote, directed, and produced The Ninth Configuration, and he also produced this film, The Exorcist. Thank you. Drink. That was Mac. That was Mackie. It's edited by Evan A. Lotman, who also did Presumed Innocent, Maximum Overdrive, and Sophie's Choice. Oh, Norman Gay, who also did Honeysuckle Rose, Shockwaves, and Found Money. And Bud S. Smith, who also did Sorcerer, Flashdance, The Karate Kid, and Putney Swope, to name a few. What? (laughs) Everywhere. The the man is everywhere. At some point, we got to do Putney Swope, and it's just going to be... It's going to be wild. Because just the premise... Putney Swope. We didn't know. No, we haven't done it yet. Wow. The music is by Jack Nietzsche, who also did One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, An Officer and a Gentleman, Stand By Me. He also worked with Neil Young and the Rolling Stones. He worked a lot with the Rolling Stones. In fact, he wrote the choral arrangements for You Can't Always Get What You Want, Ma. Ah, you can't always get Every what parent's you favorite Sing to me. And you know... So many times. Especially, apparently, saying, you know that song was saying to me as my mother found an old Christmas list of mine and sent it to me today. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, you can't ever tell me I was spoiled. No. Because, no. Dear Santa, (laughs) I would like a camera, binoculars, desk, watch, and some surprises in flashcards. Yes. Love Christine Mabes and a lamp is written right. Like I wanted a lamp. I just wanted to do my fucking homework. Flashcards? Not in the Bush family at that time. Yeah. You know what? You said you sounded I don't watch. But I kind of feel like you sound like Tiny Tim. Please, sir. You can't ever tell me I was spoiled. No, you were not. I mean the binoculars were a touch of a stretch. I know I don't think I got those. And you know what I got? A desk. I did not get the camera, and I did not get the binoculars. I got you a get desk. A lamp I'm sure desk? I got flashcards. It was a nice desk. I did. I had a very nice desk. It's fine, I guess. I don't know. And I got Sometimes. a lamp. And then the next year, I believe, is the year I got a CD player. Mm. And probably said lamp. I left it on all night, and it melted the CD player on Christmas we night. One of those. We had one of those. <laughs> it was actually in Adam's room, mm-hmm. and. There was a burn mark on the shade where it was about yeah, to. Yeah, like how fire. dangerous. Like, yeah, yeah. This oh, is us. Was, like, this is us. Yeah. Is a totally believable story. Like, the crock pot probably could have caught on fire. Exactly. <laughs> well, he also was the arranger and conductor of River Deep Mountain High <gasps> by, by Tina Turner and Ike Turner. Although, Ike Turner didn't do shit on this record. It was all Tina Turner, which 
of course, then makes him the right-hand man of Phil Spector and his wall of sound, mm-hmm. which I am... I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm a big fan of Phil Spector's wall of sound. Not Phil Spector, but right. his wall of sound. And also this dude, uh, Jack Nietzsche. So, apparently... Phil Spector's mm. wall of sound is just the wall, is just the sound of men beating women. Because this Nietzsche dude, uh, he, I mean, y- you know, y- you try not to say, like, oh, people who you associate with, but if he's the right hand man of Phil Spector, he even got charged with threatening to kill his girlfriend and beat her with a handgun. So. Oh my God. He pistol whipped her. Yeah. He's uh, oh. not a great guy. So then I was like, wait, but the soundtrack slaps, but the soundtrack that I think slaps is actually not Jack Nietzsche. It's Mike Oldfield's tubular bells that's the theme Mm. so and i was like oh phew that is a great theme i mean iconic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have the director of photography is owen roisman who also did the french connection three days of the condor and network we did all of those Mm -hmm. starring ellen burston as chris mcneil bravo she was around 41-ish when she made mm-hmm. this film. Mm-hmm. She's still with us. She's 90. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Ellen Burstyn is 90? Yeah, I saw... I... Welcome to my TikTok corner. I saw a thing, of, and it had all the actors from... Or, like, yeah, the main actors from this, and it was, like, then and now. And it was either then and now or then and when they died. And a right. Then the year they died. I'm sorry. Tommy is digging in his bed, if you can hear that. Um... But yeah, she's 90. She looks good, too. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, I, I had no idea. Yeah. She was also, or was that it? Well, Linda Blair also is, what, 85? No. <laughs> no, she's in her 60s. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I saw it. I think I saw <laughs> Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> Oh, wow. It wasn't about me. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Ellen Burstyn was in the last picture show. Alice oh, yeah. Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Requiem for a Dream. Interstellar. So many others. And Exorcist colon Believer. Which, yeah. right. which is both of, in that? Is it not new? It, there's another one. There's been a bunch of reasons. Yeah, Exorcist oh, so Believer is the one that's coming out. Like either, oh, really? either out now or that yeah. it's coming out. Yeah. I've seen advertisements for advertisements for it. I saw I also saw advertisements for it. So I'm yeah. Review. Tell us how it is. We have Max von Sido as Father Lancaster Link yeah, Lancaster Marin. Okay. This is one of these things. I did this. I did the particulars, and then I was doing my more research, and then I found out something. Because when I was doing the particulars, I was like, my, I looked at his, because I was like, Max von Sydow, my man, like, he was ancient in this. 
and I did the math, he was 44-ish in this, and my mind was blown. So I was like, that means that he and Ellen Burstyn are around the same age? Oh my God, this man has been old forever. But then I found out doing research of Tasty Titties that in fact, he had makeup on. He went through four hours of makeup to age him, and well, more on that later. So... He was also in three days of the condor that we did, cause I didn't even I I didn't even piece it together. He's um, been in several things. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the seventh seal and wild strawberries, which were both done by Igmar Bergman. So I'm sure we're gonna do that at some point. Hello. And he was also in Star Wars: Colon, The Force Awakens, and so many other things. But I was my mind was it was just like. Like, what was Adam's, like, famous quote? Like, that person's been old forever. <laughs> I was like, my That was God. about his mother. <laughs> no, it was about some act, act. It was probably an actress or an actor. Um, We have Lee J. Cobb we as do. Lieutenant William Kinderman. I did not recognize him until I clicked on his uh, hyperlink. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> His IBDM. IBDM. Mm-hmm. I, am, I am. I am. DP. I am. I am. IBDM. And this is like the verse, the video of old people trying to pronounce Chipotle. <laughs> His quesadilla. Um, twelve. He was in Twelve Angry Men. He was the guy in Twelve Angry Men. Yes, he was also he was. in. On the waterfront, and our man Flint, and he was the original Willie Loman in Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman. Lee J. Cobb, the OG. I had no There's idea. So many things in the 70s. Oh, so many, so many things, things. In the 70s, yes. Mm-hmm. So many things. We have Kitty Wynn, who was Sharon Spencer. She was in Panic in Needle Park. They might be giants and Peeper. We have Jack Mc. Gowren, who was Burke Dennings. He was in Darby O'Hill, O'Gill, and the Little People. Oh. Mm-hmm. The, the guy that played the director. He was also in Dr. Shivago, which, I mean, my, we, we, we have to, like, block off just time. It's going to be probably a month of Dr. Shivago. Because I've never seen Dr. Shivago. I know. Y'all hyped this damn movie up so much. I got to see it now. And now I've never seen it. Every minute oh, yeah. of it. We're loving it. We're no. going to do it in the winter. Oh, we have to. Um, How I Won the War. And Nerd Alert, he died in January of 1973, shortly after completing this film from the flu. Get your flu shots, people. The flu's out here, and it be killing. Or was it the, or was it the flu? Or what, yeah, okay. We have Jason Miller <laughs> as Father Damien Karras. He was also in The Nickel Ride, El Perro, Rudy, and Nerd Alert. He won a Pulitzer Prize for the play that championship season and in 1973 won the Tony Award for that play. So at this time when he's in this movie, he had already won the, written this play that is the Pulitzer Prize. It was like, this is genius. Here's a Tony Award. He also turned down the lead in Taxi Driver, and in real life, he's the father of Jason Patrick, the actor 
remember in the 90s, Jason Patrick was going to be the next big thing. Didn't happen, did it? Well, his prop, like he has had a successful career, but what I think most people may know him as is he took over the role as the lead in Speed 2 Cruise Control. Oh, okay. But he was okay. like, you'll look him up, and he's been in a ton of other stuff. Like but I was Peyton, like, oh. no, maybe not Peyton Place, but um, Beverly Hills 90210. What was the other? No, one after no, that? no, not TV. Like he was like in movies. He was in like oh. Sleepers, I think. Okay. He like in the nineties. He because that was my peak Entertainment Weekly time, and he, they were just pushing Jason Patrick down our throats if he was gonna be, you know, the next. Thing. That's always what's crazy like he, about it. He reminded me of the next Robert De Niro. Truth be told. Are you talking about Jason Patrick or his dad? I'm talking about the dude who played the priest, Karis. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, Jason Miller. So Jason Patrick's dad. <laughs> Who's Jason Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's the first time I'm around Jason Miller. Jason Patrick is the son <laughs> of Jason Miller. Oh, also, okay. and Jason became, Miller is the priest. Jason Miller is the priest. Okay, he Got also it. won a Pulitzer Prize. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright, and he turned him. down the role that made Robert De Niro famous in Taxi Driver. In Taxi Driver. Yeah, Are you talking to me? Exactly. Are you talking to me? I am, but you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> we have Linda Blair as Reagan McNeil. Oh man. She was in Airport 1975, The Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and Roller Boogie, to name a few. And we have, okay, now we're getting into True Crime Corner. Oh, I have that. No, oh. you, I don't think you have this one. I think you have the one that comes after it, but I don't think you have this one because this was one I hadn't heard of. So there are a couple of voices. There's a guy voice that also does the voice of Pazuzu, which is the demon. And I have more about him. The female um, voice is one Mercedes McCambridge. Right. Mm -hmm. She is an actress. She was in all of the King's Men, Giant, Johnny Guitar. Orson Welles called her, quote, the world's greatest living radio actress. Oh, mm. voice. Right. Yeah, so, voice. Uh-huh. So she's, she's a bona fide actress in her own right, but she's also one of the greatest radio actresses of all time, which makes sense when you hear her voice in this. You're like, oh I mean, it, I was today, literally today years old when I found out, I was look, watched a little thing when I found out you couldn't have told me that wasn't a robot or yeah. like, you know, because right. this woman is so good. Now here's the true crime. Listed in her, no, this is also Wikipedia corner. In her Wikipedia, under family tragedy section of Wikipedia. So she had one son, and her one son got a PhD in economics. Mm -hmm. And he um, worked in investments and was successful in investments and a, a trader. And I forget which. He worked for one of the big companies in New York, and then he joined a little rock investment firm called Stevens Inc. And she gave him, she gave her son six hundred thousand dollars to manage for her. 
In the fall of 1987, the company Stevens Inc. discovered that her son, who had the last name Markle, opened a secret account in his mom's name and that the son was charging trading losses to the Stevens account and crediting the profitable trades to the secret account and that he had also forged her signature when he opened the secret account. So when this all came out, he went on medical leave and he was eventually fired. And then his mom, Mercedes McCambridge, she refused to cooperate with Stevens Inc. because they had a scheme to like kind of put her on a payment plan to pay back the money. Her? But she, yeah, but she exactly. But she I was like, "Whoa, wait a second. And and they use they were like, "Hey, here, do this, and we'll set it up, and we'll keep it quiet." Because you know she was an actress, like she was a, a like she wasn't a complete nobody. And she was. They were like, "If you go, go with the scheme that we have to pay it back, then we'll keep it from becoming public." And she was like, "But I didn't do anything wrong, right. and you all owe me money. So what do you mean, like I have to pay you money and stuff?" Because it was her son that did all of this. So then, November of 1987, her son kills his wife, oh, and two daughters, <gasps> aged. 13 and 9. Wow. And then takes himself out the game. Oh, shit. And then he leaves a note behind. It says? It takes responsibility, but then it blames his mom for calling him a criminal and a bum who ruined her life. And the end... Well, I mean, she's not completely wrong. No. The end of the note... That he after he, this minute. man has done Sign all Sign Pazuzu. No. <laughs> he, <laughs> he said so you can have the money, comma, night mother. Oh shit. Damn. Yeah. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. oh. Aren't you glad I wasn't in, in Hollywood, a famous Hollywood mother? I am, yes. I I'm very thankful. You're welcome. Because I, you know, that could have been my destiny. I chose to be a good mother to you. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we have the radiologist assistant that's uncredited, but this is what you have, right, Ma? Yes. Do you want to do it now or? I can do it now. Yeah, because because I just saw Serial Killer, but I didn't read anymore. It's so, it's so us. Okay, so. In the arteriogram scene, where they are like, which like, God help me, sticking the, the needle into her artery in her neck. Paul Batson was an X-ray technician at NYU. Which uh, props for using a real X-ray technician. Um, <laughs> yeah, well. he was a bearded man. Uh, I, I'm only paying attention to my notes. He, is, he was a bearded man who assisted the doctor. In 1979, he was convicted of a murder of a film critic. Uh, he got 20 years and claimed he was responsible for the, quotation marks, bag murders from 1977 to 1978. This person would pick up men in gay bars 
have sex, murder them, dismember them, put them in plastic bags for fun. And he was never officially charged. He, he yeah. was, was that in New York? Where was that? Yeah. Was that NYU. like what of isn't that what like American Horror Story, their latest season was kind of based on? Oh, I don't know. I didn't see it, but there were I mean, there were a bunch of in that time period. Because the there was yeah, just the, yeah. There was just I was just and I that that was in the nineties, I think. The one that was just on HBO, the I think three or four part series that was about the and it, but it was the same MO of it was uh, targeting gay men in right. New York and they didn't take it seriously because it w- it's just like oh they're expendable it, right it was gay men who cares so he and, officially so- he's only convict credited or convicted of killing Addison Farrell that was the film, the film critic. critic right mm-hmm. he was never um, charged, never officially charged with the bag murders, even though he confessed. And he was released from prison in 2004. Be okay. careful, my little Brooklynites. Is he, he's alive still? So I'm going to set the table as best I can. I have so many questions. Wait. Yes, Did ma'am. we all watch the same version? The original 1973 Exorcist, right? Oh, that's a yeah. great question, Teeny. I watched it on H. Which one is it streaming on? HBO Max. Max. Did we watch it on Max. Sure, we probably did too. I watched there it on so Max. Many, there are many. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this movie begins in northern Iraq. Yes, okay. Where the workers are digging at an ancient site, one young boy runs to tell the old white dude something has been found. He finds a round silver disc that looks like it was from a necklace. It was much younger than the other antiquities. It was a St. Joseph medal, not a St. Christopher medal. Uh, which foreshadows good versus evil. He also found like a little figurine Mm -hmm. situation that caused him to tremble. Then we go to Georgetown where an actress is on the set of a movie. Her 12-year-old daughter lives with her as well as a German man and woman. I felt like they were German. I mean, the one, the director definitely went at after the German man, the woman might have been Greek, um, who were the help. At one point, Reagan, the 12-year-old daughter, pulls out a Ouija board. No, I'm out. (laughs) could go wrong? So, a lot. So, (laughs) now we are (laughs) to to POC. uh, The beginning, all of the Iraqi people they're working at the excavation site. So they're all working for the white men to who are going to loot their history, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Basically what's right. going on. Right. Yeah, let's bring this back to America. And this was 73. This was before like uh, uh, the Taliban and such because when the Taliban came in, they kind of destroyed a lot of antiquities. Well, well this is Iraq, so 
what I read is that they went to film it in Iraq, Iraq, but mm-hmm. um, this was before the United States had diplomatic relations. <laughs> so that was this whole production is very stressful. We'll, we'll get into that. But for this and, and in Iraq, they um, basically they were like, well, you guys can go over and film if you want, but we don't we can't guarantee you. And so they worked with the Bath Party. And that is uh, Saddam Hussein's party. Right. Mm-hmm. Wasn't he bath mm-hmm. and, and he was um, I don't know if he was running things, but definitely his party at that time was running things and keeping. Uh, well, I don't even like just running things. And, you know, the, the United States was involved in a lot of things behind the scenes and stuff, mm-hmm. because that place is so old and people have been fighting there. For so long. Mm, right. And the United States likes to get in there and dabble with things and stuff. So, um, yeah. Especially ancient antiquities that, uh, okay. Well, yeah, because it goes, because that is the area where, you know, Jesus walked around, Muhammad walked around. Like, this is, these are holy sites and, and they want to find artifacts and stuff. It's the whole Indiana Jones and archaeologists mm-hmm. and all also, of that. Also, can we talk about when you said this is the area when Jesus walked around and looked at all the people that what they looked like who were living mm-hmm. there and from exactly, there. exactly. Yeah. It's not, not like, like Jesus with the light brown wavy hair and the blue eyes. Sorry, yeah. not Mm-mm. no, not so much i think of the three of us i probably closer resemble to what the man looked like i'm just saying facts well <laughs> not according to the picture books you'd be looking at me yeah exactly <laughs> there was there was one nurse and two doctors and one patient at the uh mental facility yeah, I counted. Well, they're the black and brown kids that are playing in the street where the father's oh, yeah. mother lived. In New York. And then I yep. had, there were two extra black men who were in the, the, the scene within a scene that was being filmed. Mm-hmm. And then I counted three black nurses throughout the film in the right. various medical things. And then I counted that there was one doctor in the scene where they're like, well, have you tried exorcism? Right, right, <laughs> that. right. So a female, uh, uh, female person of color as well in the doctor yeah. scene i felt like maybe maybe indian descent um, something like that but yeah. not you know nobody was really no talking I, I, or I didn't do any dna no. with that right so we are to cast which i leave to you i didn't even get to get that far just because i was too busy with the tasty titties good because i guy. got I got sidetracked by this. Let me let, let me clear my throat. <clears throat> Everybody take a drink. I think it's funny how the colonizer drink that I make produces phlegm, but it's supposed to be it's tea, it's chilled tea, it's chilled Earl Grey tea, honey, lemon, and gin, and yet it produces phlegm. I feel like it's a joke on the the colonizers. Well, I just feel like it me. might be the gin part. Let's go ahead. Okay, so cast all right now when i was a child oh god i'm talking about a little kid oh growing up in the dmv wow yes You're, she's coming for you 82 no. to 80 yeah exactly eight. i remember that we watched the washington football team who was not called that at the time and i love them 
And for basketball, we watched the Georgetown Hoyas. I never remember ever seeing a Bullets game on our television. But when the Georgetown Hoyas played, that was the Wizards when I was a kid. They were called the Bullets. I was a kid, though. The Bullets. May I just, can we pause there? But they changed the name. Pretty sure I had a Bullets jerking. I didn't. It was Georgetown. I have a specific yeah. memory of Ew. having chicken pox, of having chicken pox, eating generous George pizza with my chicken oh. pox, and watching the Georgetown Hoyas. Ooh, that sounds like a cozy fall night. Oh, it was we, great. We had many cozy nights. So imagine my surprise as I'm growing up, and then in the 90s and stuff, I had a Georgetown bucket hat. I had a Georgetown sweatshirt. You had imagine- a Georgetown no, you didn't. Not, Not at that point. Then I got the starter, the starter shorts mm. and baseball jersey that I yes, still have, Teeny. Yeah, decked out pinstripe. So yep. imagine this little brown girl surprise when I was, I'm guessing late teens, when I found out that Georgetown was not a black school. <laughs> No, no. That in fact it was a Catholic university. <laughs> I Jesuit. Was it was Jesuit. I was shook to my core. I was like, I didn't what? Know this. I didn't know you were shook yeah, to your core. Yeah, I thought George, because all I knew was Georgetown basketball. That's where it taught me, like, if somebody comes in the middle, wasn't the Georgetown basketball team pretty white too? No, it it was Patrick Ewing. It was all black. And then when I was in high school, it was Allen Iverson. Their coach was Big John Thompson. Mm -hmm. And they were in Chocolate City in DC. He was a big and he was about he was about black people. John Thompson was. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't put up with any mess. He called it as it was, put people in their places. He was like uh you know, like he was um, African-American history living in front of me, you know, like even when he was a coach, it was he was revered because he was like, yeah, this man is about it. So imagine well, I was like, wait, it's a Catholic school. It's like a white it's Catholic again, not just Catholic Jesuit. OK, so I'm getting to that. So that was that that was you know when i was later in so so then there's a 2016 article by this woman who has gone on to write a book so i recommend that but it, i'm getting the information from a 2016 article by Rachel L Swarns and the title of the article is 272 slaves were sold to save georgetown what does it owe their descendants So Georgetown University, yes, Ma, is a private Jesuit research university located in the Georgetown neighborhood of Washington, D.C. Money, 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 money. Mm -hmm. Which I had no idea. So Jesuit versus Catholic. So what's Uh the difference? So Roman Catholicism is a religion. It's the largest, this is according to Wikipedia, it's the largest branch of Christianity. The Jesuits, who are also known as the Society of Jesus, are an order of the Roman Catholic priests who primarily work as teachers and missionaries. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, Brown University, Columbia University, Harvard University, and the University of Virginia have all publicly recognized their ties to slavery and the slave trade as 
institutions of higher learning in America. Mm. But in 1838, 272 men, women, and children, including a two-month-old baby, were sold. And it's, it's just the size of this cell that of human beings that is what stands out between other universities and their ties to the slave trade. So the deal with Georgetown is that in those days, in the 1838s, Georgetown relied on Jesuit plantations in Maryland to help finance its operations. And a lot of times its enslaved people were actually donated by wealthy parishioners. So if you... um, in your will, if you were wealthy and, and you were like Catholic and about oh, that Georgetown and you, you croak, you could leave in your will instead of like money going to the institution. You're like, yeah, you are can have these people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause they so, belong to me. I can give them away. Mm-hmm. So in 1838, 272 people souls, um, were sold to plantations in, Louisiana, and the sale was organized by two of Georgetown's early presidents, who were also Jesuit priests, and Henry Johnson, who was a member of the United States House of Representatives serving Louisiana. And the sale brought in, in 2016 money, $3.3 million. So a lot. So at that point, the college was struggling uh, financially because the... Maryland plantations were mismanaged and weren't bringing in enough money to sustain it. And it had debts. So th- this helped paid off the debts. Oh, excellent. Right. Mm, you're like, we gotta get our debt down. <clears throat> That's now, right. Now in 2016, students held protest and sit-ins um, at the, at Georgetown university. And that resulted in the removal of the names of the two organizers from campus buildings. But then there were some alumni who were like, wait a sec, wait, what? I'm sure there were some alumni who were like, did the, what? And one of those was uh, a man named Richard J. Cellini. He was troubled that neither the Jesuits nor the university tried to trace the lives of the enslaved nor compensate their progeny. It was interesting because Cellini was an He's a white man, and he had never, like by his own admission, had never spent much time thinking about slavery or African-American history. Right. That's what we white people do. <laughs> white gonna white. White but, gonna white. Um, but the interesting thing about this was that their names had been in the university archive. So unlike other enslaved sales, like this university kept... The receipts. Oh, oh, yeah. Did right. they not know? Did they not have shredders? So then, it, no. At the same time, well, it's interesting. So then, at the same time, there's this Dr. Rothman, and he's a Georgetown historian, and his students were also tracing the enslaved. And so the two, Cellini and Dr. Rothman, they like kind of got together, and their research is quote a microcosm of the whole history of American slavery. Dr. Rothman said. Because there were actually names that they could trace. So one of the names, like Cornelius Hawkins, he was 13 years old at the time of the sale. So they had like these names. 
And they had um, also other papers involved in it that showed that the priests required that their enslaved people that they were selling off, they had some demands. They were like, look, the enslaved people, they need to attend mass because they had converted <laughs> them to Catholicism for the okay. sake of their own salvation. And you know that they were like, look, we're going to save their souls. What's that song? Exactly. That's Joel? all Is that care Joel? about. But that, that was kind of part of it. It was that the pre they were like, they, <laughs> the Jesuits, imagine how that is. They're all Catholic and it's for the sake of their own salvation. But it, uh, the archives also showed that they, they whipped them and they punished them. Hmm. Um, they described hard plantation conditions to the plantations in Maryland. But then when it w became known of, oh, we're selling them, downriver as you might have heard a popular parlance like yeah they were being sold downriver to louisiana there were people who were like oh shit like it's funny the different like it's not funny i'm saying that sarcastically but there are the tears of the plantations mm -hmm. which even in maryland plantation is horrendous mm -hmm. but then the people in maryland plantation are like oh shit they're going to louisiana and at the sale like the people, the enslaved people were terrified. They were crying. They didn't want to go because you didn't want to go down river. You didn't want to go down south. And even at this time, there were Jesuits, because this is in the archive, who were not down with the whole setup. They did uh -huh. not, they were not down with the participation in forced servitude. So <gasps> that's important to, to point out because people always like to say, well, that's just the way it is. But even that's, because the majority of the people who wrote the history and kept up with the history said, well, that's just the way it is. That's how it is. There were always people who are like, no, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. What are we doing? Am I um, liking the Jesuits right now? Well, it, it's a thing. It's not all of them because yeah. there was quote, quote, this is a quote. It would be better to suffer financial disaster than suffer the loss of our souls with the sale of the slaves, wrote the Reverend Jan Rothen, who headed the Jesuits International Organization from Rome and was re initially reluctant to authorize the sale. Uh -huh. So this guy was like, he was in Rome. He was like, what the fuck? Like, no, this is horrible. Uh -huh. But then because the plantations were mismanaged and inefficient and uh -huh. no longer reliable source of income this the father money, 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 money. right father maledi he fig he feared that the college would not survive and so he promised his superiors he's like all right i know that a lot of people object to this but look i promise that the enslaved will still be able to practice their catholic religion families will not be separated and the money will go off to paying off our debt and be used for operating expenses uh-huh None of those conditions were met. No. Of course. They were sent to two plantations in Louisiana, which was with, far away from any Catholic church or priest. And when and people... Look at the difference geographically with Maryland and Louisiana. I mean, you're talking about extreme heat, extreme humidity. I mean, there's a huge difference just... Uh, climate-wise of what these people have to go and endure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
there when it got back so then the 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 father Melendity, he was called to Rome. He was like, yo, you got to go to Rome. So he goes to Rome. And then the Catholic Church kind of does what the Catholic Church kind of does. They reassigned him. But then yet somehow later he was able to return and still be president of Georgetown. Of course. Does that sound familiar? Hmm. So there were also people, the, some Jesuits who tried to get money so that they could build churches down in Louisiana for the enslaved people to have their Catholic masses and stuff. Um, but that didn't go over well. So then, so there was all of this and, and, you know, all of this kind of comes out and people were like, okay, like, oh my God, our university that we love Georgetown university. If you went there, the author of this book went to Georgetown university, by the way. Um, there were a lot of alumni who were like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, we need to do more and stuff. So then Georgetown said that it was going to offer preferential admissions to its descendants. And there's an NPR article from 2019. It's an All Things Considered. And it's an interview with um, two siblings who are in Louisiana and they were found to be descendants. And one of them was uh, just like applying and was like, I'm going to apply just based to Georgetown based on my merit. And the other one was like, damn right, you're going to know that I'm a descendant. And then the person who was like, damn right, you're going to know I'm a descendant was like, how do you know if I'm a descendant when there's nowhere on the application for me to check that Mm -hmm. I'm a descendant? So... That was in 2017. In 2023, Georgetown announced a $27 million fund for the descendants. Its goal is to raise a billion dollars because in that NPR article, it also talked to a relative of one of the two people who are getting in. And they're like, well, that's all great and well for, you know, the young people who can go to college and and get an education. But like, what about me? You know, like, I'm old. I'm not going to college. Like this affected my life too. So their, their goal is to raise a billion dollars. Um, it's called the GU 272 descendants association that represents thousands of people. There are about 13,000 known descendants now. And the number keeps growing because the researchers keep going back because they're like the thing with Cornelius, he disappeared and then he showed back up on the census reports as like a 48 year old man. Um, and then I think there was another sale and then he shows back up in a census and he was freed. And so they were able to like go to somebody who was a descendant of his, who was actually a new, like the, I think the first black news anchor in, I want to say Baton Rouge somewhere in Louisiana. And she always was like, oh, yeah, Neely. Like, she always heard the name because Cornelius was always a name that was passed down in her family and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it was just wild to be like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. So the list of descendants keeps growing. And hopefully this gift will support the foundation's goals, including providing scholarships for descendants from early childhood through post-secondary education helping elderly and infirm descendants and funding efforts at racial healing, reconciliation and truth across the country. And I just think it's fascinating that Georgetown University almost wasn't Georgetown University. So this whole movie that's based around the guy going to Georgetown University, hearing the story, everything that all the people who have alumni have gone to Georgetown University, the whole thing that it's Georgetown University 
it all owes itself to 272 people who were sold Mm -hmm. so that it could stay right Right. an institution and become Georgetown University, which I didn't look up what its annual endowment is, but it's just nuts because once again, just showing what this country has really been built upon. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. But it, oh. at least Georgetown, but the, the, the one thing I want to add to it is so it came out and then Georgetown's like, you know, did the whole apology, but it's really been the alumni who really pushed the university right. to do more. They're like, no, you need to do more. Good. You need to do more because they were just going to kind of just teeter out after 2016 yeah and it's been it's been the students and the alumni who are like no we need to do better like we owe them and i think they're i mean they took the names off but there there's also like different things that they plan and they have that gu 272 and it that's you know people at georgetown they know what that means and so that's it's it's nice um but it's you know you need to keep applying the pressure but it is nice to show a way of reconciliation and acknowledging, like where at you least came a step. From. I mean, yeah. at least yeah. a step. just something moving forward. Okay, we are to nerd alerts, and I have one. Mm. I looked into Pazuzu. Oh, good. Yeah, I read a little bit about Pazuzu. Yeah, Paz- I mean, what a fun name if you're going to be a demon. I like- know Pazuzu. Pazuzu the Pazuzu statue. So we saw Max von Seidel um, unearth this like little statue situation. It fit in his palm, but he was like shaking. He knew it was, this was a evil. So it appears as an ancient foreign violently malevolent how do you say malevolent malevolent source of evil power and he was popular it was popular during the neo-assyrian neo-babylonian periods which were the 8th century before christ we're talking a long time ago okay Yeah, that's what i'm saying like that that part of the world is just really i mean come on before christ and he was a powerful it not gonna give it a a gender (laughs) a powerful demon (laughs) set up as a i agree set up as a shield against another supernatural terror who was Lamashtu. Lamashtu. Mm. Lamashtu was a female demon mm. with broad and far-reaching destructive powers. She favored pregnant women and newborns. Ooh, creepy. But Pazuzu was powerful against her attack. So yes, Pazuzu was um, an evil, but he could... Um, stop Lamastu from uh, possessing newborns and uh, pregnant women. Why would he do that, though? Yeah. 
because uh, he was a man. <laughs> evil spirit got to do what an evil spirit got to do. Because he was a man, and he gets to decide what women do with their bodies. Exactly. But I also read Pazuzu represents the northwest wind, which he uses to carry disease and famine. Right. And you can see, like, like, uh, well, I guess I could get into that in Tasty Titties. Okay. So, so the reason we're even talking about Pazuzu is, okay, so Max von, whatever his name is, unearths this little tiny, like, a statue situation that fits in the palm of his hand. He starts shaking. And then we go to Georgetown and we see this actress and her 12-year-old daughter, and she likes to play with the Ouija board. Did we ever have a Ouija board in our house here in Bush? No, we no, did not. We were, we were not inviting those spirits in. And you and every time on, on media that we would see a Ouija board, you I would hear from wherever you were saying, no. <laughs> I mean, what? Okay. Mm. So I, I was have, right on the same page. I was like, no, she said it. No. I have a very good friend who loves the Ouija board and loves that kind of shit. Why are you going to invite that into your house? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, nothing to it, but maybe. Okay. So I err on the side of caution. My middle right. name is Aaron Caution Bush. Erin Caution Bush has, she was that way in utero. It was cautious. Just telling you. She started to come out and went, nope. Wait, gonna check this situation out for about two more weeks. Mm-hmm. Cautious. Okay. So that was Pazuzu. Um, and then Max von Sch- goes and he he goes to another ancient site and he sees the the bigger sculpture of Pazuzu. And then Pazuzu just kind of goes away in the movie. No, he doesn't. You think he goes away. Oh, but, but he's he, there. So he it okay, so my question. Okay, so it's just because the uh little Reagan, I mean her name alone. Hello. Um because she's playing with the Ouija board, he comes and decides to, like, inhabit her body? I don't know if he comes through the Ouija board. Oh. Or if that's just, like, a coincidence. What about Captain Howdy? I think that, yeah. that I heard that that was just, like, that weekend, every like, that weekend, the shield to wherever, the Ouija board and her communication with Captain Howdy... That weekend, everything and allowed Pazuzu to take. Oh, and yeah, because they never explained that. But then there was like Pazuzu was still everywhere. So like all the times where you would see like a flash, that was Pazuzu, like mm-hmm. a flash of the demon. But also there's like a frame where the mom is walking down the hallway and you have to turn the brightness all the way up on your screen, but you can see the Pazuzu statue in Reagan's room, just like for like two seconds of the film. It's like hidden. And then when she spins her head around, Uh they superimpose Pazuzu's face over her face for a moment. So it's like hidden. And then 
when she's yeah it's like there's a lot of symbolism and then when she's being hypnotized remember that mm -hmm. and she has her arm up like this the pazuzu statue has his arm up oh yeah I, it's like everywhere but then and then it's like that little figurine of pazuzu was yes that? um he also had something to do with like winged creatures because like the wind and then when you first meet Reagan, like Reagan plays with the clay and yes. Reagan draws all these creepy pictures of of like dead birds and then a dog with wings. And Reagan's the one, like she's all into the sculptures. I didn't realize Reagan was the one that did the sculpture on the Virgin Mary. Like she's the one who vandalized the Virgin Mary. Oh, I didn't get that. Oh, either. really? Because yeah. that, was a, that was a hell of a vandalism. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, this is my question. Linda Blair. Now, we know that the voice of Mackenzie. Pazuzu, the, the, the Mercedes woman? Yeah, Mercedes. Uh -huh. She is the voice of the evil. Right. Yeah, when she, she sounds like she's a smoker, a heavy right. smoker. Right. And so, was Linda... Blair actually saying those things when she was with the crucifix and no, no that, I was that was the Mercedes. woman. No, it wasn't Mercedes. It was another. It was I. I think her name's Eileen Dietz. She was in General Hospital. Like I recognized really? her face from General Hospital in the eighties. Really? 80s. Yeah. Oh, wow. She. So she played, but she, that's the that there was a lawsuit about it because. Like, mm. you know, the scene, you know, the, the graphic, mm. the sexual yeah. graphic scenes and stuff that wasn't, um, they didn't mm. want, yeah, mm. they didn't want her to do that. Okay. So a lot of this, this kind of like, like, I mean, Linda Blair is in a lot of it, but a lot of that kind of stuff situations. was, yeah. um, they put her, the other actress. Okay, in it. that, and that then was what I was. It wondering. went to arbitration and stuff of like who, but it's also it is. It, I didn't write it down, but it is a negative reheatable of Linda Blair and just, like just it's it's just a lot, and and there was a lot going into um, like recasting of it and trying to find who would be it and like Janet Lee did not let Jamie Lee Curtis right. audition for it. She right. was like, nope, you can't do it. Another and tasty titty is um the author the Blatley guy. Blatley Peter, guy yeah. actually was like channeling a Shirley McLean. Well he was uh, friends with Shirley McLean and she was interested in it, but she didn't want him to produce it. And then William Friedkin disapproved of Shirley MacLaine being the lead because she had been in a similarly themed exactly. film called the, per the Possession of Joel Delaney. So right. that's why, um, yeah, but he was friends with her and, and they kind of. Okay. But, okay. but it's, it's just, there's a lot like on Wikipedia, there's the creepiness about when Linda Blair comes in because um, her mom kind of comes in unannounced is like I have my daughter and Linda Blair hadn't really acted she had just kind of mostly done modeling mm -hmm. and there like on the Wikipedia page it's kind of a creepy exchange between William Friedkin and her which it's just like like she was around 12 years old when yes and, yeah and that it, was it's my, just, well, 
And, and, really and my creepy. research said um, Shirley MacLaine was like, yeah, thank you for basing the character on me, but I don't want to be in a film where a 12-year-old is put in this situation. Right. So the, so it seemed like they... Because then Linda Blair got hurt. Like yeah, she, she has back problems for yeah, years. So, so did... Um, what's her name? The, yeah. yeah, Ellen Burstyn. We'll get right. into that. Um, it just sounded like... Because that was another thing that they... Like when the movie came out, that I didn't write down, but um, when the movie came out, everybody was like, "What the?" Like they were creeped out by Linda Blair, and so then she had to go on tour to be like, "No, she's just a regular twelve-year-old. Like she was acting and stuff because <laughs> yeah. people were so freaked out about it." But then it, yeah, and then like the the scenes that in the movie and stuff. So she was she ended up being sexualized at a really mm-hmm. young age and having to go through. Hollywood and especially at that time and I mean anytime in Hollywood as a young female it's just so it was like I just just felt really creepy for her and it seems by all accounts like she she has quotes about it she's like look I think that I've been very polite in having to answer questions about the exorcist every single minute oh, of God, my yeah. life the life yeah. and like now she's a woman who's in her 60s and and by all account like she had some trouble with drugs and stuff when she was younger and not i'm just exactly it's, it just seems like she's really into activism i think she's with gone full vegan yeah and like is yeah. a big she was on um what was that show Tina, that you watched about the pit bull like pit boss she would show up a lot on that I think that was the show, The Pit Bulls, something with pit bulls. I watched Pit Bulls and Parolees. Um, but I know that she did, a, like, she's big into animal activism and stuff. And, but it, yeah. it just was, like, super creepy of thinking about, mm. and also in the 70s, and also we'll get into it, like, the freaking guy, he played psychological warfare on people. It just does not seem like, uh, if I was 12 years old, like, that would do a number on you. That was not going to happen. Yeah. So now we're to Aaron's nerd alerts. Christine, do you have any nerd alerts today? Shockingly, no. Shockingly, no. 1973 was the year that I was not around for, <laughs> unlike you, some of us on this podcast. You weren't even a twinkle in your daddy's eye. No. <laughs> okay, so the top five films of 1973, The Way We Were. Never heard of it. Oh, my God. Oh, that's Robert Redford and Barbara, Barbara Streisand, Streisand, right? Barbara Oh, talk about a and the song. Fest. Yeah, it's like the it's one of those. We were wow, two weeks in a row. We're getting serenaded. Uh huh. So number four was Papillion. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Um, number three was American Graffiti. Heard of it? Haven't seen it. Heard of it? Okay, we have to do that one. Number two was The Sting. Heard of it? Haven't seen it. Did I do, 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 Wait, do, 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 do. we did the sting before Teeny? Yeah. We must have. Oh wow! And the number one film of 1973, Exorcist. The Exorcist. Gotta be. Yeah. Revolutionary. The, I agree. The Oscars Best Linda Picture Blair. nominees were A Touch of Class. This Best Picture. Oh, okay. The Exorcist was nominated. Mm. Didn't cries and cries and whispers. Don't know. Sounds boring. Sounds Ameri- British. Yeah, it does. It sounds like Merchant Ivory. <laughs> Is it their first film? 
Um, American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. And the winner, The Sting. I mean, Robert mm-hmm. Redford and Paul Newman. Teaming back up after Butch uh, Cassidy? After- I like The Sting. Yeah. Okay, so what was going on in the world in 1973? Well, in 1973... Oh it, was a, it was a hell of a year. Hell of a year. <laughs> Nixon was sworn in for his second term yep. as president, and he announced the suspension of offensive action in North Vietnam, and the Paris Peace Accords were signed, thus ending the U.S. involvement in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind that I just said that Nixon was sworn in for his second term, which means... That the Watergate scandal was unfolding because Watergate break-in happened during the presidential election that he uh-huh. ended up winning in a landslide, which uh-huh. is a, one of the worst own goals in history. Like, but man, what are you even doing? <laughs> You're going to win in a landslide. 1973, Roe v. Wade, the U.S. Supreme Court oh, overturned state bans on abortion. Mm. 1973, the World Trade Center complex in New York City is officially dedicated in a ribbon-cutting ceremony. Wow. And this anniversary just happened. 1973, Billie Jean King defeats Bobby Riggs in the Mm -hmm. Battle of the Sexist Tennis Uh Match. Yes. Did you you see all the news things this week, Mm -hmm. Teeny, about it? No, I didn't. I I was good. I kept... They kept popping up, and I was going to send them to you. I was like, yeah, she, she's seeing it on the TikTok, on the TikTok. On the TikTok. 1973, the first handheld mobile phone call was made in New York City. What? They put they two say? hands to hold it. <laughs> it's huge. Man, and then also in 1973, uh, tough year for Logan Airport. In Boston, had a had more than one plane crash incident. Yeah, there were a lot of other plane crash incidents. Also, there were a lot of coups happening in 1973, and a lot of terrorism going on in 1973. I believe this is in the aftermath of 72. So we have Black September just out there running amok on the world and doing all sorts of terrorism and stuff. But. 1973, your mother met your father. 1973. We met at, this is my, this is my remembrance. G3's trailer. We met in G3's trailer. Okay. G3 is a friend of my dad's. (laughs) And a friend of mine as well. And a friend of Ma's. And his girlfriend was a friend of mine as well. Oh, who was his girlfriend? Leona Hay. And did you have class with her? No, she was. Like, how did you meet at, her? Uh, pretty much at G3's trailer. <laughs> <laughs> but then she became a roommate of mine. Oh, 
So there you have it. Moorhead State University. We're not going any further than that. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know how else happened in G3's trailer. <laughs> well, it's, it's for 50 years. <laughs> what happened 50 years ago stays 50 um, years ago. Well. We are two negative reheatables. G3's trailer is a positive reheatable. It, it was a positive reheatable. It was. I still remember where it was. Not there anymore. We were there last year. And wow, how that campus has changed into like a really nice campus. It's like a whole campus. You're like, wow, this is nice. It was a nice. It was. It's in the middle of the Daniel Boone National Forest. And it's 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 on a mountainside, so you had to walk up the the mountain to the classes and down the mountain to classes. But okay, moving on to my negative reheatables, the name Reagan, and in '73 it wasn't even about Ronald Reagan. Oh, oh, I like Reagan as a first name though for girls. I've never associated the two. I have a coworker who that's what they she named her daughter, so it's. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about names is that... Yeah, Reagan. It sounds like it's okay until you think about, you know, doofus. Okay, (laughs) when she is going up into the attic, use a flashlight, not a fucking candle. Well, just the going up into an attic thing. Why would you go up there? Those attic steps, oh man, those were the steps that we had at the house. Those were my grandmother's attic steps. Oof. We don't even have those steps. If you go up into our attic, you need a ladder, and then you have to push that piece of plywood over. Nobody's been in that my attic. That sounds like a fake attic. Ooh. Until, it is. Um, you don't know where the attic is? Approved. You, yeah. it's, it's upstairs. It's like the, you know, well, those. I mean, I know. I have a genuine idea of where the attic would be. Yes. <laughs> yeah, No. I've never no. been up there. I think no. I only saw it once when that the, it like came down, and I was like, "What is going on here?" Well, first, uh, when we bought the house, um, the inspector went up there, and he said, "If you need to store stuff in this attic, you need to get rid of stuff. Don't ever store stuff in the attic." And I went, "Noted." Noted. And then several years later, I heard a scruffing noise up there and it was some baby raccoons a mama raccoon had come up there and given birth and uh, a dude had to come and save the babies out of there but he didn't go up in the I thought he cut a hole in the ceiling he did to, to try to get the very last one that was under the eaves but he couldn't get that one so there is a baby raccoon skeleton up there cool he was able smelled. to save like five of them. Yeah. Mm, nasty. Okay. But you were like, they're so cute. <laughs> I did. And I took pictures and you and Adam were like, no, they, they were, were adorable, but you never want to be around a mama raccoon with her babies. Cause they become, I mean, uh, 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 nasty. Okay. The haves and the have nots. Remember, um, when she they the uh they were putting her into the institution the husband wait okay yeah the mother yeah right Mm -hmm. and 
the institutional situation, and then the next scene was the party of opulence. Yeah. Yeah. But that's even, but that was in the 70s when we actually had, like, like, I, there is something to be, they were, were not great places. Like, there is something to be said for that, but, like, there we were places to put people. And they were in a right? place, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. The 1970s x ray machine? Oh. Are you kidding me? I mean, I that's couldn't... what my MRI yeah, sounded like. That's though. an like, MRI <laughs> one month ago. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Because okay. it's the I texted Aaron and I was mm-hmm. like, you'd think they would have thought with a way to make these things quieter. Exactly. And they have, but it's not cost effective because the there thing that makes go. the noises is the coils of the magnets. So it, it's the machine and they can do it much quieter, but insurances but aren't going to pay for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. My last one is uh, a touch problematic. I brought it up at book club today with three, three extremely Catholic women. The rituals, like the rituals of devil worship and the rituals of Catholicism, like the kissing the ring of the cardinal, the um, the genuflecting at the at the altar. Very, I mean, I see similarities between that and the devil worship rituals. Now, are you saying when you say devil worship, do you mean? Satanism. I don't know what. Or I do mean. you mean? Yeah, because I don't. Because I know that there's like that there's Satanism and that it it's like different than what we have been conditioned to think of as Satanism. Right, like, like the Pentagon, like the pentagram, the, star, the pentagram, and like like Wiccan. How like people are like, oh, witches and Wiccan, but if you actually go into right. like it's it's different than it's um how it's been portrayed in the media like it's something to be scared of when it's actually oh they actually believe in this and they don't believe in all of that but you're like like satanism people are like oh you're worshiping the devil but it's more nuanced than that and i don't know enough to know more nor do i i just know enough to know that there's a nuanced in that exactly to be like oh wait a second why can't like what right do Catholics have to hate on other religions because they're doing the same. It's all the same. Exactly. Everybody has things that they believe they can do. Yeah. Like, so I just... Like the gatekeeping of like having... Because to me, it's like, okay, the whatever you want to call God or the life force or whatever and how it was... The way that I always perceived it was with Catholicism, it was like me, and then you have like the higher spirit of God or whatever. And then with Catholicism, you like put a middleman in between there. So yes. everything had to go through a priest or somebody but else. And- that priest had to be all all giving to the upper, like you have to kiss the purple sash and you have to genuflect in front of the altar and what does to, genuflect mean uh, it's when you bow to the um like like you can't uh, uh, a catholic can't go past the altar without 
without bowing and doing the oh like all of the cross. rituals and all right of the, all the rituals kind of stuff yeah i just think it's like that's fine if you want to have those rituals but don't hate on another religion exactly. or another thing for having their exactly because that's exactly. all religion is is having rituals and things that you do to make you feel better about life mm-hmm. and about where you're going to end up in the afterlife exactly i'm sorry that's probably very terrible for some people to hear it might be because yeah. to hear that people who are uh and sure if any of it's real then jokes on me right (laughs) me too but yeah i i just felt like the haves and the have-nots in the rituals of good versus the rituals of evil i you know what sometimes i will walk by a church and i'm like you know what that would be nice to go to every sunday just to make you feel good about things Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. Well, that's what you you said about like our grandparents, because I was like, but I don't. And then you were like, and it's the fellowship. And then I understood it. It was yeah. It was like you have oh, somewhere you, to go. Yeah, probably like, like, a lot oh, of the times, okay. like four times a week. Mm, yeah. yeah, exactly. There like are if you're involved, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But I it's like-minded like, people. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. just like, I don't understand, like. Like I went to my first, and it was like they told me the golden rule, and I was just like, "Well, okay, I get What's it. Why rule? do it? Do unto others as you would have them doing." Like you're just like Jesus loves you. Jesus loves everyone. Treat everyone the way that you would want to be treated, knowing that you are loved as a child of God. And I was like, "There's nothing else." Got it. <laughs> Got it. Don't I need to reiterate that every yeah, Sunday. I don't need to keep hearing it over and over again. I, my son, can I have my Sundays? <laughs> Okay, I'm not somebody who. There's likes... some great football games going on. Although, right now. Yeah. if you show up, Mr. Preacher Man, in like a dress and a fun wig and put some music behind it, I'll come listen to your stories time after time again. Well, I with mean, a mimosa maybe and a brunch. Yeah, there you, you go. There you, you lost go. me at dress, so I was yeah. out. If you were like, you can come in. No, I'm saying the preacher wears it like a drag brunch. Is what I was getting. Oh, I get you. I get you. Yes, of course. But it, yeah, it's all like the the same kind of the 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 things. And then but I was baptized, so I'm good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was too. Aaron was too. Yeah. Adam was too. Oh, mm-hmm. see you up there. No, we're we're, uh, we're golden. I was just like, hey, yeah. I forget that Adam could hear what I'm saying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Other uh, negative reheatable. Oh. Um, abandoning. I have abandoning old people. You wouldn't think you'd hear that from me. But like, just okay. Good to know. <laughs> just like dropping her off. I'm writing this down. Tina well, does not want me abandoned. We, my dad, we used to drive by this old shithole of a nursing home off of I-85, and it had like barbed wire fence. And we would drive home, drive by it like every year on the way home from the beach. Maybe more free. I don't remember. Every time we would tell my mom that's where she's going to go. <laughs> and it's since closed down, so we don't have any plans. So oh. I know. Um, yeah, just like at least find a place where you're going to go visit. It doesn't seem like he was going to go visit her. And like she no. doesn't even get her own room. But he couldn't. That's part gotta of it. got to share the room, he, share the bathroom. He's a Jesuit priest. He's given up all his worldly mm-hmm. possessions. Because like, he, he goes to the... 
this uncle or whoever it is. And he's like, can't we do something better? And he's and the uncle's like, with what? Yeah, like, that exactly. costs money. And you you think, became a priest. I've already I've already made peace with <laughs> knowing the the women who. Oh God, I'm gonna be here for a while. Knock on wood, but I also know that the world has a wicked sense of humor. So tomorrow might be my last day. Who knows? Well, you but, just heard me say I don't abandon old people. Well, that's, but well, okay. I got a good seven years on you, so hopefully, I'm, I'm doing been, my happy dance. I there, I've been making payments, so there is that enticement. I may have just signed my death warrant on. <laughs> the podcast great now she knows about it um run uh when they were trying to say like figuring out trying to figure out what was wrong with reagan and the doctor was like it's probably just nerves yes of course it's hysteria always nerves running in converse he was running on the track in converse thank you i had that the father's running shoes and then also i put teeny I do though like those the sweatpants. I have a pair of old gonna, school okay. sweatpants. I like, that. like the look, but like running in them, no. But it's the, like the, the all the girlies now are excited about Princess Diana fall season being here. It's like oh you my know. God. Um but then I see people out working out, like running in that, like in a cotton sweatshirt. No, here's the th- I can't speak about you would need I would need a base layer underneath it because when cotton gets wet, as my dermatologist said, it becomes razor blades on your skin. I don't know if it was just everyone's skin or specifically your skin, Aaron. But um, the sweatpants, here's the, the thing about those sweatpants is look at the and this is why I know. Um, how do I say it? What is it? The inseam is mm-hmm. longer because I have a thing where my thighs don't like to be apart. So they are always together. And if you wear bicycle shorts and then those kind of sweatpants, the inseam is low enough. It's below where my thighs touch. So I just wear running short, like uh, bike shorts underneath and can run all day in those. And there's no chafing because you know but what why, I'm saying? But why would you have the sweatpants on over it? Because it's cold. Oh, like you just wear running shorts and then the oh, I'm putting tights on. Keep... I can't th- have the thought of a sweatsuit. It it does keep you. It is like warm. I I've done it a few times when I go yeah, back and for get wet. Winter time. But she's distance. Teeny's doing. I know. Teeny is. Yeah. Teeny's doing yeah. A, a whole bunch that I'm not. Yeah. Anyway, um, who actually says mother? Well, it depends on the like like. Uh... I've never. I've said oh. mother before, but it's but like when you're like hearing mother, 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 no. Oh, uh, when she's mad at me, she calls me mother. <laughs> and then deleting the spider walk scene. I was waiting for that the whole entire. Oh yeah, where did yeah. they go? They, so they deleted that. it. I heard a couple of different reasons, but apparently you could see the wires. That's wire. what he said. Yeah. And then also, I also heard that it was because of the blood. Like they didn't like it because it didn't. It looked cheap. I don't know. I think they just weren't happy with the scene. But I like thought it, that yeah. was what. But like they it put aged it back poorly. In, no, I think it. No, I don't think it aged poorly. I think now they have better technology to like actually right. make it look right. I you think can see you the wires. See the is what he was saying. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the crap that was one of the creepiest things. Like I remember seeing that. That was one of the creepiest things in the whole movie. I no, I don't know. I feel like because the first time I saw it, I mentioned it last week's podcast. I saw it when they did whatever re-release in the early two thousands at China at the Grauman's Chinese Theater mm-hmm. in L.A. when they came out with whatever. Because I was like, "What the hell?" And I was with friends, and I got peer pressured into it. And went to see a midnight screening of it Ooh. at that theater. And I remember the crab. I remember, like, they're yeah, being that Yeah, they redid it. it. So exactly. they, they put it he, back in once the technology yeah, got better. Yeah, he so added they, stuff back in. So then when we're watching it on HBO Max or whatever, it's the original theatrical release? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And... Those were my negatives. Although I have one that's a positive and a negative. And that's Georgetown. Oh, yeah. It's like a beauty. It really, you can't dispute. It's a beautiful place. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. But it makes me so mad how, like, it's just totally inaccessible to anyone unless you have oodles and oodles of Big money. Bucks. When I George- worked... reminds me of when Jack Kennedy and Jackie Kennedy first came, he was a Senator. He was able, he lived in George in a townhouse in Georgetown. Like you had to have that kind of money in the sixties to live in Georgetown. And when I, I worked there at like 2010, maybe 11. And I was living near like Chinatown and like you, first of all, you can barely get there by some, by the train. You have to get off at foggy bottom. And then it's like, I don't know, probably a 20 minute walk, 15, right. 20 minute walk to get into like the beginning of Georgetown even. So it's like you get, I remember getting there in the summer and we'd have these fans and you just had to like stand in front of the fans. Right. Also the, train stopped running at what 11 30 so all yeah. the service people who work in georgetown you think any of them who work in service in georgetown actually live in georgetown no, no. how are you getting home at the end of the night right it sucked and then if you drove there's nowhere there you, your company well my company wasn't paying for parking so you right. had to get tickets or be like i gotta go move my car every two hours or pay i remember it was 18 a day to park wow it's, and that, and it's only gotten worse, right? Sure, it's only gotten worse. And then <laughs> I know I have a friend who works there now. They said they had a customer, a girl, lose her wallet. And the mom was like, like calling, you got to call the police. And they were like, no, like we're not calling the police for a lost wallet. And just like the privilege, the mom called, was like, I'm not leaving until we call the police. She called the police. The police were there. They were like, we can't do, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like you, your daughter lost her wallet, but just the privilege of her being like, no, we got to call the police. And then do you know where they found it? In the trash can outside. Cause she put it down somewhere. Somebody stole it and right. threw it away. Wasn't right. an employee. And they all immediately were like, the employees stole it. This or the other. I don't know. But then it is such a nice place. Yeah. I just, it's funny because I, most of my life, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess over half of it. But I just like when people are like, "Oh, where are you from?" I guess I should reevaluate that. But I always say, you know, the DMV. But I never spent any time in my youth like just hanging out in DC. No. So and I wouldn't I, recommend going back and spending any time of your adulthood. Either. But I do know I do have an affinity for Georgetown because growing up I was like oh it's there and and every once in a while we would go to Georgetown to go to like what was that there was like a brisket place there like every once in a while we would go the into, ribs the ribs yeah and yeah. get like in Georgetown and stuff and so I always knew like it was an affluent area but it's always weird to me when I think of like DC and I'm like oh I I. I say I'm from that area and like, I really don't know anything about that city and never explored it on my own. But like Philadelphia, I have memories of Philadelphia and like, mm. obviously Los Angeles, I, I've made memories and kind of know little things about Los Angeles, but like DC, I never did that. Like, I, I, I don't never have find that. my people there. Like, it was just like a place that was very... I mean, I guess you look at what what is there. Like you're in finance, or yeah, I had he like I so had close, there was though. that, and then there was going to visit my cousins in D.C. and like and yeah, I mean, there's like, a, there like, is a scene, yeah. yeah, but it's I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting when I think of D.C. because I'll be like, oh, I have like such great memories of it, but I'm like, but you never. Like you never went on your own and like, I don't like, I can't really like claim DC if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause I didn't like just, Oh, DC. But I, but it's still like from childhood and stuff. It's like, Oh, but DC. Mm -hmm. So close yet. So far away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So positive reheatable. No. Can I do my negatives please? (laughs) Quickly mother. She's laughing. I know she's being, she's silently laughing. Um, man, at the end, so she's 12 years old. I think I was what, six, seven, the last time I was carried anywhere. Yes. Nobody, as a 12 year old Aaron, nobody was carrying 12 year old Aaron anywhere. She's laughing real hard now. (laughs) People, very hard, silent laughing forehead in her hands she she is dying laughing because she knows that's true that, that as soon as i saw that i was like my god no no one ever nobody more like adorable that. though yeah big and adorable um <laughs> this movie like it's just really it was just really gross to me it's not really i don't really think of it as as, as it wasn't scary although if you're going to scare me, demonic possession and that kind of like, oh, but this kind of I think that's what's scary is the possibility. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But it yes. was this is more just like gross. And, but the grossest thing, you'll talk about the pea soup. You'll talk about the loogie that get that's like cake batter that gets put in his face. It's all gross. But by far, we already mentioned it. I thought the gro- like the thing that got me that made me look away was the and geography scene when yeah, they're because you, everybody knows I have a thing about my neck. Yeah, that's true. And then just seeing like the blood squirting out that from her neck. People to pass out. Yeah, I, I mean, wimps, but okay. I don't. I'm somebody that like when I get my blood drawn, like I'll look away and then I'll look. Like it doesn't. I'm not. 
freaked out by blood. I don't like it because <laughs> I don't like what it, but just seeing like the squirting and, and the fact that it was like her neck and she was awake. I would like that. That got to me. Yeah. Um, but okay. So the demon possesses her. And then, so her face and her privates just heal. Like, what was it the power of the Christ that there just healed everything? We, we couldn't get through okay. this without this part. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, get, like, yeah, I think that's a thing. I just was like, but we never saw second. down there to see if it did heal because her face looked right. pretty fucked up. So. Well, right. her face had bruising, but it didn't have scarring. I didn't see any hyperpigmentation. Yeah, I think that once they leave you, they, like, leave you. But the So that goes with, like, stab wounds south of the border and the intimate areas? Yeah, once you're gone. Evidently. I mean, that... But what kind of demon is that, though? Straight down, not, like, inward. Because they weren't one yet. They weren't one yet, remember? Like... He wasn't right. one with her yet. Right, right. So it's just, it's just everything just down there just was like, well, uh-huh. it's, it's all fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, I mean, if you can it. be possessed, you can be unpossessed, right? I, I just thought it was really interesting that you're possessed by a demon and the demon leaves you. I would think that the demon would leave scars because it's a demon. I'm just saying the whole situation was like the person becomes uh, healed when the when the demon has been removed. So, so I guess but, that's just the power. So of does she like Christ. forget everything? That she, she they said, said that she, to her mother. They said well, that's that she happened didn't remember in real anything. life though. With the real guy, what's his name? Roland Doe. Well, I could see that because it, I could see her not remembering because she definitely blocks that yeah, out. Yeah, it would be like. Yeah, but well, I'm saying so. I would think the scarring would. I mean, okay. But no, okay. you're healed after that. Okay. Yeah. This was based on a real. We're questioning the healing, but we're not questioning <laughs> the demon getting inside of her body. Yeah, because that. I saw of... that bed. I saw uh, the yeah. bed jumping. Well, I mean, as a student of history, I think that. You know what I was thinking? Because I'm in the middle of listening to the most recent My Favorite Murder. And it's I, Karen's doing the story of that uh, Dable woman who killed her two kids. And yeah. that it's that thing where people can call it by a different name or something. But like when you're a woman and you decide not even just a woman, but just in in that case. A human like, being. You're a human being, and you decide that, like, you basically go off the deep end and decide that you believe this thing and that you have to kill two people that you are the mother of. I mean, I... I, I um, be- like, you know, like, I believe... Like, I've seen enough in human history to... I don't know if you want to get into like demonic possession or whatever, but it's like, I don't not believe that that's not a thing, you know, like the whole 
if you think about the whole ego in people and it takes over and people do things that you can't explain and they do horrible, evil things, like the man who was a appeared in this film as a radiologist and and doing horrible things perhaps, like like perhaps there's evil in the, the bag yeah there. there's like there's evil in the world and do i there think is. like oh that's demonic possession i that goes into the whole thing of of like if you're asking me if i believe in god or are you talking about god as a personified being, I don't know. But if you're talking about, do I think that there is a unifying force in the universe? Yes. So it's kind of the, that nuance of things of demonic. Do you believe that that was demonic possession? I believe that she was possessed by something. Is it the demon or is it an ego or is it something? It's something. Like it's over there in a category I don't want to fuck with, but exactly. it's something. Exactly. That's kind of what I'm getting to. So where do positive reheatables? My first one is fall in the DC area. I mean, that too. Yeah. We usually have a really not, like the leaves fall and you can crunch. Our anniversary is the 25th. And so I, I just always remember walking on sidewalks on crunchy leaves and um, yeah, fall in the DC area. I remember as a little kid asking you what your favorite season was and you were like fall. And I was like, fall? But fall is when you go back to school. Mm-hmm. But now, I'm like, it, it it's mine too. Like, there's just, even in, like, you know, people say, like, California doesn't have any seasons. But California does have seasons. There's just, it's just subtle. But it is a season. Like, we've been here, like I have, for 20 years. You pick up on the subtle changes of the season. And it is, like, you know, the sun it's uh when i go out in the morning it's dark all of a sudden mm-hmm. where it had been light and there is uh like uh, just this different crisp in the air and stuff exactly. and, I'm, and i'm just like now that i'm not in school i'm like oh, i think fall is my favorite season exactly it it used to always be spring because of the spring flowers and such but okay so being a teacher i always loved fall because you would like buy your new supplies and get ready for a new school year, but being retired is way better. And just the crispness in the air, the football, you know, football was always big in our family. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just getting ready to um, hibernate because I'm a really good hibernator. <laughs> yeah. We were just talking about how September is our favorite month. Excellent. You well, still get like it starts to turn cool, but you still get some warm days. Exactly. You get to go to the beach some one week you might be in the beach and the next week you're making soup. Exactly. With yeah. sweats with sweats on. Yeah. It's been an unseasonably cool September in Los Angeles. Usually September it's just triple digits, triple yeah. digits. It's the hottest. But it has been very chilly and it's just yeah it's it's been chilly especially like this weekend the last couple of days it's just an extra crispness in the air made me think i had the covid but it was just a crispness and we had uh a tropical storm ophelia come through so it was two just full-on rainy days and i loved it nice i know just read a book and you know stream some shit and yeah 
comfy down. Okay, my other is the suspense. Uh, okay, so I I was at book club today with four other women, uh, age ranging from older than me. Yes, it's possible wow. to like eighteen years younger than me. None of them had seen this, and none of them said that they would see it because they thought oh, it was too scary. The reputation. I mean, yeah. yeah. But then I watched it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It wasn't too scary for me. There was suspense. I think the drawer, when she pulled out the drawer and it snapped shut, was the most suspenseful. Well, the attic, too. But it was just really good filmmaking. Yeah. And that's what Christine has brought to this podcast because Erin mm -hmm. and I are not horror, uh, quotation mark, horror or scary film people. And Christine's brought to us films that I never would have watched that I've thoroughly enjoyed. I thought this was an amazing film yeah. with filmmaking. And um, I know that, wait for it. Okay. Dude, that <laughs> eyes wide shut dude. Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick was was brought like they looked at him for being the director, and he was like, no. And then he said, this was a perfect film without yeah. him directing it. It was <laughs> great. I I never would have watched it without Christine recommending it, and mm. it was great. I wasn't I wasn't uh, I did watch it in the afternoon full sunlight but it wasn't scary scary yeah, it was that's what I thought too. scary like the first time i saw yeah. it i was just like oh that that wasn't at all what i thought it was gonna be and that's how whatever we watched that was the remember the dumbwaiter the shiny shining no, no. uh-uh the, the one that christine yeah. brought us to with the with dude and spider baby Oh, Spider, Spider Baby. Baby. I never would have watched oh, that. Oh, yeah. No. And it was, was like, good one. I'm not afraid of this. This is this is not scaring me to the point where I have to turn it off. Mm -hmm. It So, and it has a lot to do with age and maturity as well. But, yeah, so that's why it's so good to have three generations of women here. Um, Christine brought us to a whole new place. And thank Look at you. That. A whole new creepy place. <laughs> my positives singing i wrote singing around the piano that looked like fun yes <laughs> yeah fun party yes. i really liked their house <gasps> i know i did too but i did question they were they seemed to only be there for a short time right yeah because she was just on location but like why did they decorate so much then like all of her little clay figurines are out like it, it did seem too lived in for me I think to, to make that. her, I think because her, if I'm like taking from what they're giving me, her dad didn't really seem like he cared that much about yeah, her. She was trying so to I, make it at home. Yeah. I felt like it was like, okay, I know I have to like take my daughter around to all the different places where I am and uprooting her. Let me make a night. Like this is your home. Make her feel yeah. safe yeah. and secure. Yeah. The music. The, the music, yeah. Yo, that theme song slaps. Mm -hmm. The influence on other horror movies, just on that genre overall. I think the music, like just that, like you think of like 
What's the one with do 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 Halloween? Halloween. Yeah. Um job on both of you. I was lost. The special effects yes. were very good for their yes. time. I a lot of them like, were practical. The head turn? Yeah. That, like, I didn't realize it was a robot. I didn't yeah. know how they did it. but like, I, I wanted the robot that. to be to be all of the raunchy stuff. I know. I really, I really didn't want her to be involved in all the raunchy stuff, but... And I then don't Linda, think but, she was, but she was aware of it because she read the book. And that, that's mm. if you read in the Wikipedia stuff, it, there's like a creep. It's I thought I found that very creepy to a grown man to be asking that uh, those kind of questions to a 12 year old girl. I was just right. like, that's creepy. The book was way creepier than this. Oh, movie. yeah. Like that whole scene oh. yeah. went to completion. Does it tour? Oh, God. Yeah. Ooh. Um, she did say she was like in the makeup room because the robot head sat in the makeup room and Linda Blair was like, oh, it's kind of weird. Like, I didn't like to look at it. Like, oh, yeah. like you're looking at yourself. Um, I, you know what? You guys might not like this, but I have Ouija boards on my positive. What's hey, fun? you're allowed to. What yeah. fun. Okay. You, you have fun with that. Yeah. Count us yeah. out. I mean, I'm not using it. I just like the idea. You know where I was out on the Ouija board where I was like, oh, this is a spelling thing? Maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I like it. The wordle in me. Yeah. I'm like, no. Q, I'm out. I can't keep track of this. Nope. You're just taunting me now. <laughs> Those are my positives. That's hysterical. My Check out your positives. My positives are the poster by mm. Bill Gold, where it's just him, that scene where he gets out yeah. from the cab under the light. And it's all it's all foggy. Mm-hmm. So that the poster that was designed by Bill Gold. Bill Gold also designed so many posters, among them Casablanca, The Sting, and Rope. And okay. he did so many others. That wow. specific scene of how it was lit, that was inspired by Rene Magritte's 1954 painting, Empire of Light. Mm-hmm. So look that up. On the right now. I also have when <laughs> the possessed Reagan backhands the doctor. That made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked how they... This made me realize that we've never done, but they, um, the detective, he mentions John Garfield and John Garfield was yes. a very famous actor who, when I was coming up, I never heard of John Garfield. I only heard of John Garfield from listening to you must remember this, but in his day, John Garfield was a huge movie star. And I think he died when he was maybe 39 um, and his funeral was only second behind Valentino's funeral of being like huge. So he was just this huge star. And we haven't done any Jordan Garfield movies, but it just made me think of like, wow, he's one of those uh, huge stars that I think has been forgotten in time. Right. Um, the doctors saying, look, <laughs> we don't know. Like on our end, we've done everything that we can do. Yeah. But get also, her on out of here. 
But but being open minded enough to be like, we don't um exactly agree on the why this works, but this has worked in the past and maybe you want to check it out. And that is exorcisms. And I thought yeah. that was good of the doctor to be like, Hey, here's this outside shot. Like I had a student once in first grade who would seem to just zone out during instruction, like just zone out. So I was told I couldn't tell the mother to have her checked for petty mal seizures. Um, but so I went to the mother and I said, you know, maybe you want to go to your pediatrician and just have her checked out. And she said, what exactly are you talking about? And I said, I'm not allowed to tell you, but maybe just check out petty mal seizures. Cause she just like becomes like non- uh, I couldn't, I couldn't interact with her. And so uh, thankfully the mother was one who took that to heart and went to her pediatrician and had her checked. It wasn't that situation, but I mean, that could have become a lawsuit for me because I said to her, you know, just check into this. Cause she like just blanks out. So yeah, it's like that situation where, I'm not allowed to tell her, check your child for petty mal seizures because- Are you not allowed because it's you're giving, they think you're giving a diagnosis? Yes, exactly, mm. exactly. As opposed to me saying, look, this is just an option that you want to look into before we go into other, other stuff. Yeah, and, and uh, it was a mother who was great and checked into that. It wasn't that, so- we moved on to other other areas, but I mean, yeah, you see things and you go, I don't know. I'm just saying she's totally checked out. I can't interact with her in certain situations. So why not check this and just rule that out as a possibility? Yeah, because they were like, we've done all that we can do. Right. Our 1973 right. technology. Right. My final good reheatable is I remember, I, I remember as a kid like knowing this to my core of like when there would be the stories of the women who lift cars off of their children I'm like yo my mom would totally <laughs> lift a car off of me or my brother if we were trapped under it she has crazy German woman strength, like has never realized how to harness it for any sort of athletic glory. But my mom, I mean, you know, you're a little older now, but in your heyday had crazy German, like it was, she was freakishly strong. You had a, a thing of pickles. You didn't go to my dad. My dad would be like, take it to your mother. And she would just go a pop, like it was nothing. The woman had freakish strength and you couldn't, you couldn't play fight with her cause she didn't know how to play fight. She'd knock your ass out <laughs> cause she just knows one straight bash. I crush, I lift car off of children. That is her. She's just dying laughing. You can't hear her now. <laughs> she's dying laughing, quiet laughing. Sounds like I'm dying up here, but she's quiet laughing. It's true. So 
did you learn? Don't come to me with anything uh, tutti frutti. I mean, no. if you need if you need me, I'm here, but it better be important. Yeah, it better. It's like break glass. Ma is just in break glass in case of emergency, because you were like, oh, you gotta go to Papa if you if you need a delicate touch. But if if you want to like wreck shit, then you break the Ma glass, and you're like, oh, it's true. It's <laughs> <laughs> or die trying. Okay, we're the quotable. Oh, well, no, we are not. We are Titini's TikTok corner. We did it earlier. We did it okay, earlier. so we have moved on to quotables. Mm-hmm. And I was like three fourths of the way through this movie, and I went, I haven't written a a quotable yet because you had to pay attention. So I have two. The problem with your daughter is not her bed, it's her brain. And the other one, do people tell you you look like Paul Newman? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a couple. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Yes. Yeah. And then I have, um, talking about like... Because all these possession movies are all kids. Yes. Right? And there was a quote when the two priests were talking, and one of them said, why her? Why the girl? Mm-hmm. And the other one said, I think the point is to make us despair, to see ourselves as animal and ugly, to make us reject the possibility that God could love us. Mm. Makes sense. And then... Um, Father Marin said, especially important is the warning to avoid conversations with the demon. We may ask what is relevant, but anything beyond that is dangerous. He's a liar. The demon is a liar. He will lie to confuse us, but he will also mix lies with the truth to attack us. The attack is psychological, Damien, and powerful, so don't listen to him. Remember that. Do not listen. Don't listen mm-hmm. to that negative voice in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, know where it's coming from. Like, who's talking? Yep. And then um, there isn't a day in my life when I haven't felt like a fraud. I mean, priests, doctors, I've talked to them all. I don't know anyone who hasn't felt that. Yeah, that's imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And then finally, if certain British doctors had never asked, what is this fungus? We wouldn't today have penicillin, would we? Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. You know what this whole movie reminded me of? That I was more freaked out by than this film. It's going to be controversial. Did anybody see the Denzel Washington vehicle fall in? And remember, it had to do with a Rolling Stones song. I think it was Sympathy for the Devil. And it it would touch. He was the cop. And it was set in Philadelphia. And like the de- like whoever was like the Satan possessing would like yes. it was based through touch and stuff. Yes. I found that film so creepy. Yes. And and this reminded me of that. Because when Teeny was saying how it's always like children, but then in that it was just whoever, like it was just touching. Right. Right. You know, I was like, oh, that movie creeps me out. Um, the only quote that I have that wasn't covered already is when <laughs> after Reagan made her party appearance, as we'll say. Mm-hmm. She went downstairs and was like, you will die soon, or whatever she said, and then she just peed on the floor. Like, she mm-hmm. was 
Like she was Mac behind Teeny. <laughs> exactly. Not on a pee pad. Um, but just I I really laughed really hard when Ellen Burst said, What made you say that? Because I was like, What made you say that? That's that's what you're asking? Yeah. Like not what made you pee on the floor, but then right. through their interactions and the rest of the scene, it made me wonder, like, was she a bedwetter? Because um, just the way that she was comforting her, it made it seem like she had a history of wetting the bed Possibly. or something. And so then I was like, oh, interesting. Because yeah. so many questions. Right. Because the th- the question that you're asking is, what made you say that? That would not have been my first question. No. It would have what been the like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been. The fuck? Is- yep. <laughs> I don't know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine my dad if I came down in front of people? First of all, I showed my face in front of Karen. It's not like we we never had like a party where you couldn't show your face. But no, but but I mean that I act that way in front of like I bring disgrace upon the family in that way. Well. Yeah, there was there was some pressure, just a touch of pressure. Okay, my LVP is uh, you know the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Get behind me. My LVP is messing with ancient antiquities. Oh, that's a great one. Leave them lay. Let them stay where they are. They're there for a reason. The thing is the. But the problem with that is I'm I'm sort of torn because it is antiquity and we need to we need to understand it. We need to know what they yeah, were about and like what they, they did. Do, do the right thing with this. Yeah. But but then there's that. So mm-hmm. uh-huh. So you you both went already? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, mine is just that real life motherfucker who turned out to be a murderer. Oh yeah, he was pretty bad. Oh, dude. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Okay, my MVP is a mother's love, because she wasn't (laughs) gonna stop. But she wasn't gonna stop till she found an answer to this situation. Can't stop. Won't stop. But I also liked it, and and critics praised her of the way that Ellen Burstyn played the role because she was getting, you could see her getting fed up with not yeah. knowing and her yeah. um, impatience and, and mm-hmm. like to how it was wearing on her. My, I have two runners up. Mm-hmm. My first runner up is the KitchenAid mixer. Because she had one, and cool. talk about if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's the same. They haven't changed. The, they haven't needed to change the design. Pop That's a few true. new colors on there every few every year. Good to go. My second runner-up is the head turn. Mm-hmm. That was just iconic. Because at first they didn't want to put it in there because they were like, it's missing. They well, first they didn't think it was gonna work because they thought it was going to look too cheesy. And then they were like, we're missing something. And they were missing the breath, because remember, it's supposed to be so cold in there. Right. So then they it was cold, breath. yeah. Oh, yeah, right. they did make it cold. Yeah. And it's just iconic. 
And then, but I think my MVP is Linda Blair. Mm. Like she did a great job for a little girl. Yes. And mm-hmm. she couldn't, I mean, she and, was put up for an Academy Award, but then they went, oh, but those voices were somebody else. And so oh, it, really? it wasn't her full performance. So we can't give the Damn. Academy Award to her. And it's the fact, like what you were saying earlier, like she literally still has to answer questions about the damn actresses. Like, yeah. Get, let it go. And that mm-hmm. would be so hard. Like, remember when you were 12? Like, I remember when mm-hmm. I was 12. I do know. Like, everybody, like, any 12-year-old girl, and then you're put through that. I was asking then... for post-it, for flashcards and a, and a desk. Like, exactly. That was your 12-year-old handwriting? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but that's, yeah, I went, how can she not be fucked up? How can, mm-hmm. I mean, she had to do that with the crucifix and tell her mother to lick her and i mean how can that not affect you in a negative way yeah there's just a lot to take on and it's a lot to take on for our entertainment you know yeah that's yeah yeah so my mvp is dick smith the makeup artist Oh yes. Because he helped to, to create the latex dummy that did the the famous head turn and also just the fact of Max Van Sido his the fact that he was aged it went over everybody's head. Really? Yeah. And I Even now. Yeah, and like and like to me I wasn't until I read it and it was Pauline Kale who I think she was lukewarm to maybe even negative on the film, but she was like, Oh my gosh, that's the best aged makeup I've ever seen. And I, I didn't, I, I didn't had no idea. It. I was just like, this motherfucker has always been old. God damn it. <laughs> but yeah. So just shout out to him. And I think William Freak even said at the time, if the Academy Awards had best makeup, I I didn't look up when they started doing best makeup artist, but it was before this time because he was like Dick Smith would have won it, and right, I agree. Wow, right. hats right. off. It was just so creepy. Also, like the contacts in her eyes and yes. stuff yeah. and everything. Yes, hats off. Uh, okay. Uh, did anybody do a recasting? Because I did not. No. I did. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. But that oh, was just good. where I left it. Where... Is Frank the... Wait. Is Frank That's... one of the pastors? The, one of the fathers? I didn't know if Frank was one of the fathers or if Frank was the possessed. I know. I had the same thought. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, is Sweet D the one that was possessed? And I, for some reason, I was like, no, D is the mother... And I, I imagine that Frank was the one that was possessed. Yeah, I had the same thought. And that, like, um, um, oh, what's his face? Charlie was like the father, the Damien guy, the father guy. Oh yeah, he's one of the fathers. And that, and then, um, what's his face? The the brother of D. Dennis. <sighs> Dennis, the Dennis is the police officer, like the inspector guy. Oh yeah, yeah. So that was, that was just, I was just like, oh, it, it does. It always works. It does. <laughs> okay, we are to tasties. <clears throat> 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 
Linda Blair had to have bodyguards for six months after this was released because of religious zealots coming after her. Damn. I'm guessing it wasn't just religious zealots. It was also probably like creepy pedophiles, too. Well, the studio wanted Marlon Brando for the Karis, but Mm. they, yeah, they, they nixed that. This was the highest grossing Warner Brother film adjusting for inflation. Mm. Jack Nicholson was up for Karis, but Friedkin thought he was too unholy to play the part of a priest. Interesting. I also have that Paul Newman was interested. Really? But then he he kind of backed out because he found out that Stacy Keach had been hired and Stacey Keach had been hired, but then they saw Jason Miller's audition tape and Jason Miller had actually studied to be a Jesuit priest. So had gone through all the stuff. And then also like the character had had a spiritual crisis. And that once they saw his audition tape that they paid out the, the con the studio bought out Stacey Keach's contract And then gave the role to Miller. Mm -hmm. Um, Jack Nicholson was up for Karis. Oh, wait, did I just say that? You Mm -hmm. did. Freaking. Okay, Ellen Burstyn has a permanent spinal injury because the harness, when when, uh, Linda Blair slaps her, the harness jerked her so hard that she had a permanent spinal cord injury Mm -hmm. from that. Her tailbone, her coccyx, her yeah, and that and the take is in the film. Mm -hmm. It's after the controversial. It's when she comes in and gets thrown, and you see her, her right then her hand go down. Severe Mm -hmm. pain. Mm -hmm. Audrey Hepburn and Anne Bancroft were considered for her role. Audrey Hepburn said, "I'll do it, but it has to be filmed in Rome." And Anne (laughs) Bancroft. Anne Bancroft was newly pregnant. Would you do this film if you were newly pregnant? Mm-mm. I would not. And then I read that Jane Fonda also rejected it. But I don't know. I didn't so see So many why. more people that I didn't yeah. add. In the anteriogram scene. Oh, okay. I talked about Paul Batson, mm-hmm. who, you know, the bag murders. Yeah. Piece Those of shit. are my tasties. I stopped at that point. Um, I have that role. So Roland Doe was who the film, like the true story that it was based off of. Mm. Um, so this is the account. He was 14 years old in Maryland when he, yeah, when he underwent exorcisms. Um, is this the 1949 case? And in St. Louis, Missouri in 1949. Yeah. Ah, okay. When he was a teenager, family members reported noticing strange phenomenon in... Um, what? Strange phenomenon. As he moved across the room... So this, this guy's name is Hunkler. I think they use a different name in the book. Like, he used a different name in the book to, you know... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as he moved across a room, chairs around him scattered. Um, and his bed rattled when he lay down on it. 
The family floor was scarred from the sliding of the heavy furniture, and at one point, a chair threw him out. I think the reverend said that. Um, there's a letter that describes seeing a framed picture of Jesus Christ on the wall tremble in Hunkler's presence. Uh, the boy's mother worried the frightening spells were related to his recently deceased Aunt Tilly, a spiritualist mm. who showed him how to use a Ouija board to communicate with otherworldly mm. spirits. No, 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 no. Yeah, I guess this guy's real name was Hunkler. I don't know his first name. I don't know if you do. Um, he would live his life in fear. So he ended up being going to be, work at NASA. And um, Ronald Hunkler was his real name. I think in the book he's called Ronald Doe. So he went on to work at NASA and contributed to the Apollo missions in the 1960s and even patented a technology that allowed space shuttle panels to tolerate excessive heat. Oh. But he would live his life in fear that his NASA colleagues may discover that the movie The Exorcist was based on part in part on his life. Interesting. And his companion, his companion said, on Halloween, we always left the house because we figured he figured someone would come to his residence and know where he lived and never let him have peace. He had a terrible life from worrying. But wait, what? he designed the heating panels? Was it one of the... Wasn't that one of the, the causes of one yes. of the incidents? Like yes. one of the, the space tragedies was due to the like heating panels? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't well, know I don't which know. one. It's I don't know if he patented A technology. Or... I know, but it's with wild. Yeah, but a lot of them have gone up into space safely. Yes, with heating panels. Mm-hmm. Um, after a series of medical and psychological tests failed to find anything out of the ordinary, his family appealed to religious elders. Family was Lutheran, and they went through all the stages you see in the film. They went to doctors, clinics, and finally went back to their own pastor in the Lutheran church, who recommended they see a priest. Eventually, they thought, <laughs> sought the help of William Baldern, a Jesuit who would perform at least 20 exorcism, exorcisms, 20 on the teen in the span of three months. Baldern's diary describes the boy entering a trance-like state in front of more than a dozen witnesses during one exorcism. It says his mattress started shaking while there was the sound of a scratching, which beat out a rhythm of marching soldiers. A second class relic of St. Margaret Mary was thrown to the floor. The safety pin was open but no human hand had touched the relic um Hunkler was eventually taken to st louis to expel this evil spirits to inhabit him um he had things written on one one night there was something written on his ribs much like in the movie right help me next when there was some question of the time of departure the word saturday was written plainly on the boy's hip um Saturday. party time excellent mm-hmm. the printing always appeared without any motion on the part of the boy's hands the mother was keeping him under close supervision in 1949 he was admitted to a hospital um where he broke a priest's nose and less than a month later he claimed he saw saint michael holding a flaming sword in a vision that he was free of the devil wow and all except the last three of these exorcisms, the boy broke into a violent tantrum of screaming, cursing, and voicing Latin phrases, a language he had never studied. Um, whenever the priest reached the climactic point of the ritual, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, I cast the devil out. Um, 
Oh, when that's he would speak in Latin whenever he said that. The priest kept a diary of events, which the author William Blatty would base his 1979 horror novel on. 1971, sorry. Um, Hunkler, the guy who was possessed, his companion told the Post that he was not religious and had later admitted to her that he was never actually demented. He said he wasn't possessed, it was all concocted. He said, I was just a bad boy. Who knows that? Um, but she said something occurred shortly before his death last year that she couldn't account for. Catholic priests arrived at Hunkler's door to perform last rites. Um, she told the Post, adding that she hadn't called for him. I have no idea how the father knew to come, but he got Ron to heaven. Ron's in heaven, and he's with God now. Wow. Who knows how much of that is true or not. Exactly. But... Exactly. So I'm not going to was... discount anybody. Yeah, I don't know. But that yeah. was a story that... Blatley heard when he was a student in the class of 1950 at Georgetown University. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I also had they used a lot of like random sounds for the sound effects. So there was pig squeals when she was oh. moving around some in the beginning when they were like digging. They used like bee, swarms of bees sounds to be scared to like scare mm. people. Um. And then when at the very end, when what's his name falls down the stairs, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. says on the written on the stairs, it says fight pigs. And I just in 2023 eyes, I'm like, oh, talk about the cops. But this right. is a, um, a reference to a story in the Bible in which Jesus exercises a bunch of demons into a, out of people into a herd of pigs. Oh, see, I mean, there's all kinds of shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. not discounting anybody. Stay away. Is that it, Teeny? Yeah. I have so going back to the casting that it was super hard, and they it ended up with mostly unknowns, which was not Warner Brothers was not happy with that. Right. Um. Of all the like the leading ladies, at one point Carol Burnett did like a screen test, and Blatley and Friedkin were very impressed. They're like, "Oh, she's got such range," but Warner Brothers said no. And Ellen Burstyn, she ended up getting cast because one, she said that she was destined to play the role because she had actually been brought up as Catholic and had later rejected Catholicism. And the studio ended up having to say yes because there were literally no other alternatives at that point. Yep. Um, The production, it was hard, and the cast and crew got injured. Wikipedia said that some died, and there were a bunch of unusual incidents that delayed shooting so that the shooting ended up being twice as long as scheduled, Mm -hmm. and then it went three times over budget. So yeah. some of the weird things that happened during the production was that a bird flew in to a circuit breaker and uh-uh. it started a fire that destroyed pretty much all of the sets of the house except oh. for Reagan's bedroom. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. And that another set was damaged from a sprinkler system. Um, also, a lot of the interior scenes, even though it was set in D.C., a lot of the interior scenes were shot in New York City. Um, and that the Pazu, Pazuzu statue, Pazuzu. Mm-hmm, it was shipped to Hong Kong instead of Iraq. And that ended up costing a two-week delay as well. Oh, 
There were yeah. other things. Like, so then, like the fact that like some people died. Um, remember we had that whole bit earlier about Jason Patrick, the son of Jason Miller. Yeah. And around the time when his dad was filming this, he was, I think, struck by a motorcycle or he was basically like hit by a car. Yeah. Like he almost died. Mac Von Sido's brother died. Um, kind of all around this time frame, there were different, like a couple of production crew members died. A, um, somebody's infant child on the crew died like there were a whole bunch of weird deaths and things that happened during it um the the William Friedkin the director was also very difficult during the filming the crew called him wacky willy he would do different psychological uh, I don't want to say torture, but he would do psychological things to get the actors Situations. to do, yeah, to do what mm -hmm. he wanted. So, like at the very end, when Karas, Karas, the Damien, Harris. the father Damien, yeah, yeah, when he's like dying after throwing himself down the steps, and um, the father Dyer, he is like you know administering the last rites and stuff right. that. He slapped that man in his face before. And I think that guy in real life is a priest. And so a lot of the crew were like, what the fuck? You just slapped a priest? Like to get the emotion that you wanted. Um, he would shoot. He had a gun and would shoot blanks unannounced mm -hmm. to, to get a genuine surprise uh, take. It like it's one of those things where. If I was, I remember when I was young and like a film student and stuff and like hearing that kind of thing, I would be like, oh yeah, well, I mean, it, it works. Yeah. Kind of that, like, know. whatever it takes to win kind of thing. Like, oh, well it works. It got what you needed to do, but then getting like some age under <laughs> in me and I'm just like, that's kind of fucked up to mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. The pea soup scene that yeah. was rehearsed that it would hit the chest. It would just hit his yes. chest. Yeah. And when they shot it, he was like, no, put move it up. And so it hit his face to get like the genuine disgusted reaction. Yes. Um, he, they would, there was a crew member who was out sick and came back and they were still shooting the same scene. And so freaking would just reshoot and reshoot and reshoot so much so that the film crew had bets going on Who whether or not next. Oh, no, whether. Yeah, that probably, too. And also whether or not it would be a reshoot, like whether they would mm. move on or not. He would fight. He would like be super buddy buddy with a crew member one minute and then fire him the next minute. Oh, like Get the wow. fuck out of here and then rehire him because you had to. Um, so that was nuts. The scenes in the exorcism, Friedkin wanted it cold enough where you could actually see their breath. A lot of, most yeah. of these, the effects that he wanted, wanted to be practical. It was also 1973. Um, so they filmed it with a refrigerator system that was set to negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. But because there are lights yeah. The lights will warm the air, so filming could only happen at three minutes at a time. So this also oh. took months to oh complete. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So what ended up, though, was the first horror film to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. It also had 10 nominations, so it was nominated for Best Film Editing, Best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, 
Best Supporting Actress, Linda Blair. Best Supporting Actor, Jason Miller. Best Actress, Ellen Burstyn. Best Director and Best Picture. And it won two Academy Awards. It won Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Sound. Wow. Wow. There you have it. It was a lot. Mm -hmm. The Exorcist, 1973. Welcome to Spooky Season. Here we are. So next week. Well, I don't know if we're doing a film next week, are we? No, we'll probably be oh, off for the next Because two you weeks, guys but... are going to be together and I'm not. So the, the next film that we do is going to be a TBD because it's my turn to pick. But since it's spooky season, I am going to get the input of Teeny when we are in Vegas to decide. Oh. Okay, so T. B. So it's a TBD. A, to be announced. To be determined. To be determined and to be announced. Yes, to All be determined right and to be then. announced. Well, listeners, there you have the exorcist. I'm going to go burn some sage. Mm-hmm. I don't have any, but I want some. And um, next time we're together won't be next Sunday. I will have the doggies here with me. Um, so, to be announced. There you go, listeners. Bye. Bye. Bye.